You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. Mary Jo Tumer. Uh, Mary, you know, we want to be transparent here at Sibling Talk. That's one of, I think, the principles you and I committed to a year ago when we began this. And I want to be part of that. Uh, because our audience can't see this, they don't know that when I start in the morning, this isn't lengthy, but I do have a little notepad next to me. And I take a few notes before we get going, uh, just to try and remember some uh, wow, what a loser. You need yeah. notes? I don't need notes. I just talk right off the top of my head. So know crazy and, thing comes to my mind. <laughs> and until yesterday, when uh, the right-wing authentic media pointed out that the president, Joe Biden, when he <laughs> did his press conference, was using notes, I got to admit, I didn't know it was a problem. I I kind of thought, left over from my Jesuit education, that if you stood up and you spoke, even if you're speaking extemporaneously, that this was part of your responsibility to think it through ahead of time. Boy, was I wrong. Exactly. what I heard that complaint and that he had briefing books and like, well, isn't that what an executive is supposed to do, which is to study the issues, have all the experts give you information. And then if a question comes up that you really don't know the answer to, you have a source to cite. You mean different and than then, like just making it up? Exactly. And then you might have notes like, I want to make sure that I say this. I don't want to forget to make this point in the midst of an hour of just free form answering questions. And for anybody who has not had to do that in their life, it is difficult. It is not easy to do what Biden did yesterday, which is to stand up there, have questions shouted, not within a a margin of error. He knew what the questions were going to be, but he still had to be quick on his feet which Trump was quick on his feet. (laughs) But he wasn't accurate and he didn't feel any need to tell the truth. It's not that that Biden got it right 100% of the time. I I have to confess, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I did see some of it. I watched it, but I couldn't listen to it because I was on a call. But I did watch his demeanor, which was so calm and reassuring. And he didn't get angry and he didn't call anyone a bad reporter, I don't think. It didn't feel like that happened. No. But and I, I didn't hear it. Yeah, <laughs> I watched it. He did not, nor did he suggest, uh, and this did happen at uh, Trump's first press conference, that maybe an African-American reporter could set up a meeting for him with uh, the Black Caucus because she probably knew all those people. You know, yeah, that was a- April Ryan. Remember? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, he didn't do that. He didn't do any of those things. I, I'm not going to bang this note thing a lot more, but uh, you're a lawyer. You know, you face these kind of kind of problems. My guess is if you had to go to court or go into a mediation, you would probably take notes with you, right? Exactly. I mean, 
think about the times in my career where I've had to do that, uh, whether it's in court. Like when you study, if you've ever heard of like someone doing moot court and an appellate on an appellate level, they teach you how to set up your notes in such a way that you can easily refer to them while answering the judge's question. It's something we learn in school. It's something you teach kids. I'm sure you taught kids too, is when you're doing public speaking, this is how you prepare. Don't memorize, have some notes. So it, you know, it's just how professional people manage um, those moments where they need to have a lot of fit information at their fingertips. Yeah, there's even. So, I'm sorry. Yeah. Please go ahead. No, that's that. That was my point. Well, and there's mm-hmm. even a stationary product. I don't think Donald Trump knew this. Of small pieces of cardboard that we, when <laughs> I was a debater, we used to write things on, and we called them note cards. Note <laughs> cards. There. So I, but I still use note cards when, like, I gave our dad's eulogy. I've had to give other speeches at you know high school graduations and stuff. Note cards are a very, a very useful way without having a full piece of paper and stuff written down. Yes, on it. if you don't want to write it in a notebook, you might <laughs> use note cards. Oh, absolutely. Lord. Okay, since we've been the death out of that issue. I, you know, I know you had to actually do a job, which is uh, uh, kind of crazy talk from the retired guy here. Uh, but I know you saw quite a bit of the coverage of it. Uh, what's your overall impression of uh, of the press conference? What did you carry away? Well, you know, because I pay such good attention to my job, I was texting you yesterday I know. when I was like on the call trying to listen to this call I was on. But what was funny is one of the, I think you were saying, always oh, talking about the border. Oh, now it's Afghanistan. But one of the things I wondered about and then realized when I watched some of the coverage is he didn't get any questions on COVID or the COVID relief bill. Isn't it stunning that just a year into the pandemic, he did not get one question on that? It is stunning. And there was some criticism leveled at the press corps uh, about that. And uh, frankly, I think the criticism is unfair. Uh, If I was planning my questions, I would say, you know, actually, we know what we need to know right now uh, about that. I guess you could have had uh, questions maybe about the variance of it, but if I had a choice, I'll ask Anthony Fauci that question. I don't, I don't know that Joe Biden has any light to shed on that. And kind of part of the news that came out of uh, the press conference was he took the goal that seemed high at the time of 100,000 in, in 100 days, you know, shots, hundred million, hundred million. I'm sorry, uh, shots, and raise that to two hundred million, which effectively says that by the time we come to June, he thinks we're going to have everybody vaccinated. So I just don't know that there was a lot of news news there. I mean, you and I talked even yesterday about some misunderstanding we perceive about the border, but that's. Something people were concerned about, and frankly, it's a place where I'm not sure, Joe, sorry, Mr. President, we just feel like you're our grandpa. 
Joe, uh, <laughs> is is on totally good footing. I think the administration is still kind of feeling their way around it. I thought he handled the questions well, and he came under some tough questioning. Uh, Kristen Welker, a great reporter for uh, NBC, really probed really hard uh, to try and find an answer about that. So the border was a big issue, and I, I guess it should be. Well, I mean, the press always, you know, focuses on the crisis of the day, the, the you know, where the president's on the hot spot. And that's fine because that's kind of the way they do business. And they're so U.S. centric. So the question that I would have liked to have been put to the president and I'd like to hear him talk about is what the United States is going to do vis-a-vis um, -vis the rest of the world and vaccination. I think it's significant because we are not going to get back to any kind of normalcy unless the world, and this is not because you travel abroad or anything, but that virus is still going to be out there and threatening us unless we get the world vaccinated. And the U.S. has to be front and center in that dialogue. And I would have liked a question about that, and I was disappointed that nobody did, but you know, it's just a little bit how our media is. There's such navel gazers, you know, that just doesn't occur to them. So that would be the one thing. And, and if I don't know what Biden's, you know, plan is about doing press conferences, he should do them moreover. I wouldn't oversaturate, but I think his, the reviews were phenomenal and you know, he put to bed or continues to put to bed a lot of the criticism, which is that he's doddering and he can't pay attention and, you know, he doesn't know what's going on. It was pretty hard, at least the clips I saw, um, to say that. And the other thing is his strength is his personal connection. So I, this one thing I saw a couple of times, which I thought was quite powerful, is when he was talking about the Voting Rights Act. And this H, you know, HR one, and what happened in Georgia last night. Although the vote hadn't been taken yet, and when he said it's it's un-American, it's despicable, and he spoke with such passion about the attempt to limit uh, voter rights and voting rights, and I thought, wow, that's where Joe Biden is really strong. You know, just to remind us, the foundational issue of this country is one man, one vote. And when you start taking away people's votes, then that is, to use his word, despicable. It is. And you know a little thing I was reminded of uh, there that we forget? Maybe we don't forget, but it's there. Joe Biden has been at this for a long time. He was the youngest member of the U.S. Senate when he was first uh, elected. And to be at this for a long time, You've got to be a good politician. And Joe Biden is is that. And you know the moment I thought uh, it showed the most when he was talking about the Voting Rights Act in Georgia and the overall voter suppression. He focused in on they won't let them uh, people give them water while they're standing in line. Absolutely right. true. Uh, not the most significant part of the bill but a part all Americans can relate to, even if you can't explain the complexities of mail-in voting and everything else, you can say, what? They can't even give the people water? 
And I've noticed in the news coverage and the conversation, that's what everybody's talking about now. That seemed to me to show Joe Biden, the politician at his best, he knew where that button was and he went right to it. It was funny, too. I was thinking about that one little provision and whoever's crazy idea that was to put that in the bill. Why somebody didn't say this is a bad idea because this is what this is what people are going to focus. Because when you see the pictures of long lines of people waiting to vote, particularly in states like Georgia, inevitably it's African-Americans, inevitably. And so you see these grandmas with their lawn chairs and it, everyone knows it's hot in Georgia. And so it, it just see, it just feels like that's just mean. There's no reason to do that, but to be mean. And so whatever else might be in that bill that is legitimate, which I don't know if there anything is, it's, it's all undermined by that thing. So I think it's absolutely true what you're saying. Biden knows how to personalize an issue and go right for that. But my takeaway about the whole thing, and again, you know, full disclosure, I didn't watch the whole thing, but what I watched, what they highlighted is Joe is, pl- Joe, again, we're talking about him like we know the dude, but, but we kind of do because he's like any old Irish guy. Um, that wow, ouch. I'm sitting right uh, here. Okay. John, it's a compliment. Okay. It's a compliment. Okay. So um, that he, that he's in it for the long haul. You know, he knows how to play the long game. And when you're in politics, you know that. So, you know, some of the things like on the filibuster, right? He doesn't say, well, we're going to get rid of the filibuster. But he says we have to think about it because voting rights is so foundational. However, he said that in, in that context. And I took from that, and I don't know if this is true or not, is you have to pick your battles very, very carefully. So if the major thing, next thing we need to do is infrastructure, which in many ways is a climate change bill, can I spend so much of my capital fighting about gun reform? Maybe not, because that's so animating on the right. And do I need to focus on these issues? Can I do anything before we get the voting rights issue resolved? Because if the Democrats get you know, override the filibuster, whatever they're going to do with the filibuster, and pass H.R. 1 and limit the state's ability to restrict uh, voting rights, then the Democrats will own the House, the Senate, and the presidency for decades to come. And they will have the numbers they need to do this other stuff. So that is a foundational thing. You have to allow your voters to vote. (laughs) And, and then get you in office, then you can do whatever you want. If you're fighting on the margins, if you're going to have another 50-50 Senate and Joe Manchin's going to have all this power, you're never getting anything done. No, you're exactly right. And I, you know, I hate to be critical of somebody we really admired. That was sometimes the kind of thinking that Barack Obama had trouble doing. And, yes. And getting that, and I think Joe Biden is doing it. And a little part of that, uh, I know that the progressive wing of the party, maybe me, would like to hear him come out and say, that's it, get rid of the filibuster. But Joe Biden knows you cannot paint Joe Manchin into a box. you got to give Joe some time to, Joe Manchin, 
some time to work through this. And not just Joe Manchin, some others. Uh, time. Frankly, Joe Biden himself, I think, needs some time time to work through this. So I, I agree with your assessment about uh, about the log game. I, you know, the thing I'd conclude with that I'm carrying away from this, we kind of kidded about uh, the notes and everything else at the beginning. But one of the many great differences between President Biden and Donald Trump is, for God's sake, the man was prepared. You know, we saw last spring, night after night at five o'clock, Donald Trump come out and you know he was not, his preparation was he had thought about Lysol. Well, I'll tell you, for this guy here, this old Irishman says, thank God we at least have a president doing his homework. Yes, one thing about old Irish guys, they're smart. Yeah. And on that, John. Yeah, well, I'm going to (laughs) go and I'm going to think some smart thoughts. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.